0: Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the David Rolls Experience podcast. On this episode, I'm gonna be speaking to Will Aitken. So Will is someone who has pretty much been the face of sales content across TikTok and LinkedIn for the last year or so. If you haven't seen his videos and his content, do check it out. He's made some hilarious videos parodying uh, sales but also like corporate life. And uh, yeah, he was actually one of the first people I came across on TikTok when I started myself, and uh, yeah, I just got to know Will over the last year or so. He's an absolutely lovely guy, he's got a really interesting story, and uh, what he's achieved in the last year or so, uh, creating content and a personal brand on LinkedIn and TikTok has been nothing short of incredible. So yeah, I hope you enjoy the conversation. hope you uh, managed to extract some information and tips from it. And yeah, here we go. Will, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Big fan, as you know. You're actually you're actually one of the first people I came across on TikTok about a year ago um, when I started doing like sales videos. And I was like, who's this guy? He's making all these funny videos and you've got like a million followers. And I, I remember sharing my uh, my fiancé. I was just like, this is who I want to be. This is the goal. Um, and then I remember you followed me back like straight away. And I was just like, why is he talking to me? <laughs> I have like four followers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well- yeah sales tiktok is a little micro community i find so whenever i see someone there who's making sales content especially when it's good i'm always up for a follow and um yeah well you you looked up to me and then you got to meet me right um and you found out i'm just a, a dude who's sat in my basement making videos about sales and other stuff so um yeah it's, it's just been a real fun journey though I, I really really love the fact that i jumped onto tiktok one day and just started doing what you described there, and just took off
0: Yeah, that's awesome, mate. That's awesome. Well, um, I mean, just to kick us off then, mate, could you just give us an overview, I suppose, of like your early days? Mm -hmm. Like you can go back to childhood if you want (laughs) and just bring us up to today so we can understand your journey and how you got to where you got to.
1: Yeah, mate. I'll kind of light the scene for you then. So up until recently, I've I've been a kind of sales professional. Uh, Prior to that, I was actually a recruiter. Um, But I'll start from where it gets relevant. I went backpacking, uh, did did that whole thing where people go find themselves and uh, travel through Southeast Asia. It's a bit of a cliche at this point. I went to Australia. I met my wife, uh, who's Canadian. That's that's where I am now in Canada. Um, But I became a recruiter. And I started recruiting for specifically salespeople. I I kind of niched down and made myself a kind of sales desk um, and more specifically tech salespeople. And while doing that, I realized these people are making a ton of money. I remember this call. I was, I was chatting to this guy, and I said, hey, man, I've got this. I sent, like, a really bad email, in-mail to him. I said, hey, uh, I've got this this sales position. it's a business development manager, uh, very competitive salary. And he pinged me back. He said, what's the salary? I said, the salary is 150, total comp is 300. And he sent me a message saying, that's not competitive. I was like, these people are making so much money. And a young person, yeah. me, I was like, well, I want to do? And recruiters can make good money as well. But I kind of saw tech as this kind of ind- this industry that I really wanted to get into. Short uh, cut my time in Australia short and moved to Canada so my wife could finish her education here, and I immediately wanted to get into tech. But at the time, remote work wasn't this big thing it is now. by I wo- and, and I was living in like a place that is not known as a tech hub. It's like the smallest province in P.I. It's kind of like living in Cornwall, right? You know, there's not cool. that many huge tech companies down that way, right? Or even let's say just yeah. like uh, Pembroke, Wales, right? It's more like that. It's more of a holiday destination. But I found, managed to find a company where I was selling two tech companies. And I saw that adjacent enough, got there, worked there for a couple of years, and then finally found a tech company that was hiring remotely once all that became the, the norm. Um, and joined, started selling software. But during that, I got real good very quickly. It was really good to get really good training in sales and, and actually understand, like, you all clicked all of a sudden that sales isn't really about you that much. It's about the people you're talking to, asking the right questions. Kind of Yeah. Knowing their world and understanding it and, and the job of a salesperson isn't to educate, it isn't necessary to to pitch. It's more to ask questions that uncover problems that allow you to then to go and solve those with your product. Got great training there, but I just moved to another new city, Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. I didn't really know anyone, didn't really have any hobbies. Um, so I started making videos and that's how I got into TikTok. And I started reposting those to LinkedIn as well and i found that was actually generating me some interest some leads that were coming into my pipeline because i was selling to salespeed right so i really doubled down on that and i just started making videos every single day and then eventually it just it just hockey stick took off um and uh, to cut a long story short cuz i'm sure you have some questions that kind of allowed me to build my own following it allowed me to get noticed by a company called salespeed who are owned by vidyard they brought me on as a full-time creator just to make sales content so my hobby almost became my full-time career and after that happened, it would just blow up uh, both on LinkedIn. I went from like, you know, 6,000 to uh, I think I'm about 37, 38,000 followers right now. Uh, I ran an yeah. air account up to 80,000 followers on TikTok um, and around 25,000 followers on LinkedIn. And I just had the time of my life. Most recently, though, I got poached by Lavender to essentially do the same thing create great content that salespeople love. So that's what I do. And that's me. So,
0: where was that? transition then like what was it like transitioning over to content creation because like for me anyway especially especially as you like an extra recruiter and, and even like most salespeople, really uh, i mean i think it's something like only two percent of linkedin users actually post content anyway but yeah where where was that transitional period like, how did that come about because do you have, you have you always been interested in content have you always been interested in like being in front of the camera because i find that it's actually like pulling teeth trying to get recruiters and salespeople to post any content, let alone videos.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, that's a good question. So for me, I feel like I've always in in my friend circles been that mate, you know, the one who's quite willing to chat to anyone, get out there, talk to multiple people at once. And sales does prepare you for that in a lot of ways, especially when I jumped yeah. into sales. All my calls were being recorded by a software called Gong. That meant that I was always watching myself back, and that's kind of probably I'd say the most uncomfortable part of making video content. It's accepting that it's going to be slightly imperfect. It's accepting that listening to yourself is probably the hardest thing anyone can do. Recording yourself, watching a video of yourself, is cringy. it's cringy. Doesn't it's unnatural hearing your own voice, right? Um, yeah. So that prepared me to some extent for that, but ultimately, I think it just it, 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 my first videos weren't good, mate. If you go back on my TikTok, I've hidden a few of them because they weren't. I don't believe in the things I was saying then. The advice that I was giving, should I say? as much and they weren't very well done. If you go back to some of my early stuff, I just wasn't very good at it, but that's kind of the whole point. When you do it, when you start anything, you're not very good at it, right? It's always going to be uncomfortable to do something new. If it's cold cooling or making videos or heck even just posting on LinkedIn, putting stuff out there, it's not a comfortable process. So by repetition, I slowly got better and better. And as I did, the results started getting better. The engagement started getting better. The comments started getting more thankful and, um, and, and obviously the follower account jumped up as well. So the biggest the biggest thing that I didn't expect about transitioning to content in sales, we have this perception of marketing because that's really what content is. And I expected it to almost be easier. But because I ha- I'm very passionate about it, because I want it to be as good as it can be, because I'm always trying to think of the next idea, I'm always on. It's actually, I find a lot harder than working in sales, um, yeah. which is surprising because sales, you can't always control everything. But- so I, I definitely work more hours. I definitely, I'm, I'm I'm more tuned in to this than I was in sales. So I think that was probably the biggest shock for me transitioning to content. It was it wasn't as easy as sales. It was actually I was probably working the hardest I ever have, and I still do today. So did you create content before then? Because of, you know you're, you're similar, well similar
0: age to me, and obviously we've gone through that whole you know YouTube coming out was a massive thing. Before that, it used to be um that if you used uh, like ebombs world and those early 2000s websites yeah. where you'd get like really weird stuff on there um and the, and the and the internet was a bit of like wild west wasn't it because there was no money yeah. in it so people were just purely doing it for the for the hell of it and um yeah. obviously you'd get like really creative stuff and then you know when was youtube launched end of december two, 2005 i think so 2006 yeah. was like so see yeah. i was fourteen, fifteen, 15 and did, did you did you ever get involved in that then like did, or, or was content creation just something you came late to because it's just, i find it interesting that you've sort of if if that is true if you have like not really done it before and you just yeah. jumped into it because well from the sounds of it you said you were bored <laughs> so, and then you have just like excelled at it rapidly yeah. um i just find it really interesting
1: I've always enjoyed consuming that type of content. I look back to like you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine. At school, I used to watch YouTube all the time. Look, like even the early stuff like Smosh, Ray William Johnson, all that. Yeah. And I always wanted to do that. I wish I had it done. Right. You look at some of those people now; they're huge, right? And and although they weren't making money at mm. the time, and you see these people like you know these gaming YouTubers. I was really interested in all that. But I never really did it. Um. Probably because I didn't have the ability to, or the or, or, or the you know I was young, school. So no, I hadn't ever created any content before. Um, I always wanted to. I probably made two vines back in the day when I was at uni. Um, I made a couple I of vines. Right, I it. Love it really well, yeah, but that was all very inspiring. So watching it all happen, I always looked at as something that I would like to do, but never really tried. So I only started creating content regular, regularly, on the frequent um, in uh, April of 2021 uh, is when I start actually. Creating content on TikTok and posting on LinkedIn. Before that, I had never really uh, ventured into it. So it really has been less than a couple of years since I started. It's absolutely crazy, man! I didn't realize you've been doing it such a
0: short period of time. It's not even two years.
1: Not even two That's years. That's
0: nuts. Like some people, like my um, my fiance's into this. course uh, name? I can't remember. She's um, she does like property um, videos on and like self growth, personal growth videos on YouTube. And yeah. she she's massive now. Um, I can't remember her name. So annoying. Her book is down there somewhere. But she, <laughs> she, she even she she so she was doing YouTube for like four years and she had no traction mm. at all. And it's really interesting because it seems like people either absolutely blow up like you have, and it's like, it all happens very very quickly, or it can take like five six years for people to start getting traction.
1: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think it depends what you, I think there's, there's things that you learn and it depends how, sometimes it can really depend on how intentional and what your goals are as well. Um, mm. And and why you're doing it as well. So I never really expected anything back from it as well. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why. But also, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition on YouTube these days. You know, part of my job at SalesFeed for the past year has been, was, was growing the YouTube channel. And we managed to get to 80,000 TikTok followers, 25,000 LinkedIn followers. Our subscriber count only got to 4,000. And that was probably the heaviest lift work because editing a 10 minute video well and writing it and scripting it and, and presenting it, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes the right equipment. And, um, that's not an easy thing to do. So I think like choosing, choosing where you go as well. So TikTok was obviously the new thing in 2021. There wasn't that many people talking about sales and TikTok. It was a kind of greenfield space. So I think I just good timing, but also just my, 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 just having fun with it. Right. And it's the, if, if you are, thinking about it of the, the sense that, Oh, I want to go on this platform and grow, then you're going to feel like you're pulling teeth. You're going to feel like you're banging your head against the wall. Whereas if you have yeah. a fun time, no matter what, it doesn't matter how many likes coming to get, one, the content will be better because you're not trying to force anything, but two, you're going to, you're not going to get burned out or upset that things don't perform because you had fun making the video, you maybe only got seen by 10 people, but maybe the, one of those people thought it, it changed their life. And then now they, they know how, now know how to cold cool or stuff like that and seeing those comments it does bear you on a little bit but as long as you don't make it the reason you're doing it, i think things become a lot easier um but also just look at those opportunities right so tiktok was it still is great organic reach on there. um so so knowing what you're doing but then i also took those tiktoks and i put them on linkedin no one was doing that and i think just having yeah. the not even the initiative but the not even the bravery but just like just doing things that other people aren't doing is a very quick way to get noticed um and that's what i think i think there was this kind of like convergence of the right platform at the right time but no one else doing it with the right types of content and that allowed me to get a bit of an accelerator on my start yeah but just to be yeah, clear like... first three months on my tiktok i didn't get a single view that had over 500 views i posted every everything yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry yeah i mean it's the next question right um I, I i but that's the point i wasn't doing it for the views when i started getting the views oh boy it felt good but uh that's not the, that's not why I was that
0: yeah, it's interesting as well because what I see, and, and I've definitely been, I've, I've been sort of, when I was get involved into like content creation, probably about 18 months ago, I started posting on LinkedIn because we did like this personal branding course. And um, I was just like, you know, they talk about like inbound leads and you get inbound business. And I honestly thought it was absolute bullshit. Like, I was like, there's no way someone's going to approach me to recruit for them. It's hard enough to win business as a recruiter <coughs> as it is. No one's going to message yeah. me because I post on LinkedIn. It's nonsense. And that's what most people say, right? But, I started doing it and I, you know, then, then I sort of um, got into to TikTok. I was actually, um, I wasn't doing recruitment and sales when I first got into TikTok, uh, funnily enough. Um, I uh, was actually doing animation. So oh. I was posting, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll send you some videos after if you want to watch them. Um, they're like really, they're like, it's like South Park, but crappier. <laughs> and um, yeah, basically then I, then I, I sort of like, I was struggling to think of ways to monetize it. And that's when I met, I was like, oh, what else do I love? I love sales. And that's when I come across you. Um, But yeah, I find as well, like, did you ever have a point where you were getting frustrated by the views or when you did go viral, did you start chasing virality? Because I see a lot of people do that as well.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe in hindsight, but you're not going to go viral every time. Let's be real. And I, I'm actually doing a live LinkedIn show on how to go viral later on today uh, to talk about this because going viral isn't something you can really do intentional. It's a mix of things. Luck. It's 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 it's, yeah. it's the video. It, 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 that's why you got to be consistent with it, right? Um, but looking back, I feel like if anything, when I did go viral, I wasted those opportunities to carry on that growth. I feel like sometimes you get. I remember my first video that really, really took off. It was about tech sales and how you can get into it and how you can work at it and how, how you can make a good career for yourself. At that point, I was feeling really good about my career and I'd never been making as much money as I had. Even now, I look back, it wasn't actually that much compared to what I do now, but it felt good. Right. And I felt like I'd kind of cracked the code. So I just shared that and it got a million views and, I was like, Whoa. and that was right at the end of that three months. I told you about where I'd just be getting 500, 500, 500. Yeah. And that happened a few times as well. But each time it happened, I feel like I should have rode that wave more or, or even doubled down. But then again, if I had done that, I found that I, I when I started playing into that, because I realized, oh, wow, when I talk about tech sales, people are really interested. And it's because tech sales can be, or at least back then was a great way to get into a high paying career with very few qualifications or skills and a great career, people who don't really know what they want to do. But I was kind of selling people wanting the dream of it. There's a few creators who still mm. do this. And I wasn't really that passionate about that type of content. So when I when I did go viral for that, I was like, okay, I should just do this, just talk about getting, how to get sex to sales. I wasn't that interested in it. Um, I, I wasn't having as much fun when I did that, um, and and I felt like it was a bit cheap because then you're just selling people dreams. So I I went I I kind of had to find myself again and figure out what I did want to talk about, which sometimes just it was whatever I whatever happened that day, whatever I learned that day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I almost fell into that trap. I'd say. I'm glad I didn't just chase that and keep doing that because it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and and I'm, and even now I look at other creators who are still doing that, and you can see it's it's dropping off, and they're not having the it's not having fun. They're obviously very they're kind of just trying to to ride that high that they probably once had. Um, so yeah. to answer your question in a long way, yeah, I did try and chase that that virality once I found something hit. I tried to double down on it, but ultimately I wasn't interested in it because it, I didn't make that video. I made that video as a one-off. I didn't want to make it my entire brand. Um, so mm. I, I didn't in the end.
0: Yeah, I think you're smart of that. I see so many people and it, like very successful people as well. Um, they get they sort of trap themselves, I think, because they get sucked in by the virality. And it's like, make content that I'm passionate about, that I really do believe in. It's getting 1,000 views, 2,000 views, occasionally get one that blows up. Or make like viral trending sound stuff, yeah. and then you sort of get sucked into the whole serotonin dopamine here of social media, yeah. and then people get trapped. And then I, I find that's when people sort of burn out a little bit because they're sort of selling their soul in a way. I suppose it's not not dissimilar to like a music artist just making hit singles to hit the top of the charts, right?
1: Yeah, uh, making pop rather than what they believed in. All right, you see that a lot.
0: You yeah, just Twitch, cool.
1: right? selling out. Let's use her example. She was a country singer, right? Um, not to say that I don't feel well, yeah. she's probably not fulfilled by what she's doing now, but it's very different. It's taking a turn. Yeah. And I feel like that turn is yeah. probably fueled by the success. Um, but if Taylor Swift is really passionate about our country, she probably feels a little bit like I'm fulfilled making what she makes now. Let's just use her example and pretend she isn't fulfilled. I'm sure she's great. Yeah, please don't, don't sure. see her. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's, a, that's an example.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting world. And I also see, like, it's almost like a cliche, isn't it? Like when people say you get into YouTube, you get into TikTok. It's do stuff that you're interested in, genuinely interested in and don't chase the views. Don't chase the money. You can't go into content creation looking to make money because if you do that, then you probably won't make money and you'll do all the things that you shouldn't do. It drives like the wrong behaviors. But the funny thing is that if you, if you pursue, just do things that you do love, that's when you usually make money, right?
1: Where you make money. It's where you have fun. It's where you live a fulfilled life where you're not getting burned out. Right. Um, Yeah. I've seen a few YouTubers who have over the years who have kind of had to find that out. Um, There's a guy called, uh, he used to be called Draw of jazza. This just called jazza now. Makes art videos, but he was making these really clickbaity videos, and he was like, "I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this for the same reason. I'm doing it because I'm, it's fulfilling my passion for art. I'm doing it to try and get views now." And he he was, mm. he realized that because the audience was so it was so shallow. They didn't they they were just clicking on it because it looked interesting, but they weren't sticking around, you know um yeah and people see through that eventually as well and they don't they don't you don't build a community by doing that you build clickbait and meaningless vanity metrics but when you really can can help people whether that be entertaining them or teaching them stuff that's where it feels good and especially if you're doing it about something that you love and are passionate about
0: yeah there's some there's some people on linkedin as well like the, the more i sort of get involved in this content creation personal branding world and you know i'm very early stages with it but it's it's interesting because people always talk about communities and there's, there's a few people on linkedin who who i know you follow as well they don't necessarily have the follow account but their engagement is fantastic because mm. people that they, they actually spend time to reply to people they spend time to build this community and yeah. they might have like five thousand followers but they're actually they're getting hundreds of likes on the, on their on their LinkedIn and you know a lot of it it's all very authentic. They're actually engaging with the conversations.
1: Yeah, and those are real connectors as well. Those people come for the, come come back them up and talk talk with them and 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 align with them as well. And that's really especially on LinkedIn. It's harder to do on platforms like TikTok because most people are just called. It's a bit anonymous, uh, but you can create these communities like you and I now know each other through our content. Right, um, yeah. that's the example of an authentic connection. If I had just been the guy who just makes meaningless rubbish, then maybe maybe we wouldn't have been as keen to connect on on the level that we have on linkedin i I see this thing where people kind of placate they start serving the algorithm rather than serving their audience. They start making polls because polls are popping up mm-hmm. right now, but there's no value or substance to it. Uh, they start posting every day for the sake of posting every day instead of posting every day with stuff that's gonna that they they care about and believe in. Um, and think it's going to provide value to their audience i see i see that all the time and you see it happening as well you see people get like start something great but they drop off into irrelevance because they um they sell out
0: yeah i think i think that's the key phrase i mean i think people are quite good at like smelling bullshit basically like Mm -hmm. when people are posting things I know a few people who were doing that and they were doing like our posted for 247 days in a row, but some of the posts were just it not even cringe. It was just like, you've just put that out for the sake of putting that out. Like it's yeah. you know, like, how how much do you like work? At home? So, Oh my God, like how many times do we need to be asked this? And, yeah. um, it's, it's just not genuine. And so, so with you then, so what came first was it TikTok or LinkedIn?
1: Um, I did both in tandem. Uh, I believe the reason why I even did it in the first place was I made a stupid meme and posted it on LinkedIn. And it got like 80 likes, which for me back then was a lot. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that felt good. Um, but I was I, it was like a, there was a meme template or something like that where the guy says trade deal. And he sat there, he's got long hair, wearing a suit, and he's got some lights in the background. You've probably seen it. And I, I basically put trade deal. You give me 30 minutes of your time. I'll give you ways to keep your proposals more consistent and do all these like b- value props of, 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 uh, proposal And I captioned it should, yeah. should, should, should be to be start making TikToks? and a bunch of people come to yes. So then I went ahead and I made like this skip of me pretending to be a sales rep asking for a sale and how, how, when you ask for your first sale, it's quite a nervous moment. Um, it's like you, you ask for, you like, are we ready to move forward? And then it feels like the world yeah. stops. Uh, and and I tried to capture that with all the people who were involved in the moment like the decision making going And then I I, I put it on TikTok and it got like twenty likes. And I put it on LinkedIn and it got two hundred likes. And then I, everything I did from there, every TikTok I made, or not everyone, but the ones that I felt good, I just reposted them to LinkedIn. The engagement was much better on LinkedIn to start with, for sure. And that's mm. kind of what um that's why I just started doing because really I I made this stupid meme and people were like, Yeah, do it, do it, well, do it And then I was like, I don't have anything in my life that I do that's not work, so let's do it. Yeah. Eventually it became my work.
0: Yeah. No, that, that, that's awesome. Um, in terms of like, I suppose, challenges that you've had when you yeah. started, because did you have like a mentor or did you literally just figure all this out yourself? Like in terms of like the algorithm, no, like like content?
1: No. No, I, I didn't have any mentors or anything like that. I had, I had what I did do is I went and found people who were already kind of doing it. And I kind of observed what they'd been doing and what had been working for them and I tried to find ways to do that myself without being Mm. trying to be them. There were a few people who were already making content on TikTok and making humor content on LinkedIn as well. You look at people like Corporate bro, right? Someone I've been following. So I suppose I had inspirations, but no one no one sat down and and taught me. So I I kind of had to set a line, which a lot of which was just I'm a big consumer, right? I told you before I was a big yeah. fan of Vine, YouTube back in the day. You, if you if you're consuming and you know how to see something and and and, and try and analyze why it worked, you can start to replicate some of that success in your own work without just being a copycat. So I'm talking like if I go on someone's TikTok who's already making loads of sales TikToks, well, what hashtags are they using? How many are they using? What 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 did they say at the very beginning of the video that made the video? sticky and have a hook of you is what they call it so I was looking at stuff like that more than anything and getting inspired by other people who were doing it well and then taking that and making it my own thing
0: I find it really interesting because I actually um I was struggling a bit with TikTok um because I just I just my stuff was so erratic and I just thought screw it I'll just hire a mentor you know see if I can fast track the process sort of thing and since then what I've realized is that so some people are just naturally good at social media and that can That's also good. be almost be like, like I've had, I've had some some success on like some social media platforms like Twitter, for example. Um, when it first came out, I, you know, I've got like 14,000 followers on there. Um, but that was like pure, just I, when I get into social media, when I get into anything, I just post a lot and you know, some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. And I think if you put enough out there with a decent quali- quality, you're probably going to get some success but some people like you and a few other creators that I've seen or spoken to a lot of everyone's talks about the same thing and it's usually like understanding and recognizing patterns everyone always says that they're like they're naturally very good at like analyzing and it's just where their brain went whereas for me I didn't think of any of that I really didn't I mean beyond hashtags I just sort of like well if I make good content but then what is good content and how does that work it just I just didn't I just don't think like that, but for someone like you, it's really interesting that that's where you went and this is why you've had such massive success in, in an extremely small period of time without any educational mentoring or anything.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I probably gave myself a bit more credit than I deserve saying how intentional I was. My goal was never to do what, where I'm at being where I am today, right? I didn't set any goals for it. It was more so just passive observations, right? I wasn't going out there like, I'm going mm. like, to research all these people and I'd see write down all the things I do but more so just like through osmosis unintentionally alerts, noticing these things in a way um, getting yeah. involved in talking to people and, 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 and asking myself those questions by accident, sometimes just like, Oh, that was a really good video. Why did I like that? And then going, okay. It was because the person mm. was framed in, in the camera really well, or they started with a quick movement or they were talking really fast. And then like, So that I I don't, I I don't want to give myself credit saying like, I I saw this and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the biggest LinkedIn and TikTok for creator ever. But just through the fact that I was probably watching a lot more TikTok than I should have been, I I probably noticed those things that do work. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't me putting on a detective hat and going out and figuring figuring out that intentionally, but more so just, like you said, I think it just kind of happens when you, when you watch enough content, you start to know what good looks like. Um, and through repetition as well, like I said, my first few videos horrible hashtags, what the right ones, speed of speed of what the, my talking speed was so slow, my presentation, I had this like lab mic yeah and I was like holding it in front of me, the audio quality was worse than a phone. I should have just not used the mic, right? But I was doing that because I thought that was what I was meant to be doing. And then I realized that wasn't working, right? So it was more so just trial and error a lot of the times as well
0: yeah no I think I think it probably is what happened is you're just naturally good at it and whether or not you consciously recognized it or didn't like you you did implement those things right and you did you had you, you were so you were self-aware enough I think based on what you're saying that you could then go back to your videos and see what worked and what doesn't doesn't I, I, I think some people don't do that I mean I certainly didn't I just wasn't it, it doesn't even come into my brain and I think it's just some people, the way they think, and they're you know it, it's the same way as you get like artists. Like some people are just natural artists, aren't they? Just yeah. they think outside the box, and um, they're like, like what well, my um, my cousin is uh, is a painter and also a writer. So yeah. I have a conversation with her, and our viewpoints of the world and our perspectives of the world are so drastically different. Yeah. But I can completely understand why she's able to thrive as an artist or as a creator or as a writer but she'd probably crash and burn in, like, a sales role or any sort of corporate role. Yeah,
1: either. yeah. I think I think that's definitely a part of it. There is some natural, maybe not natural, but personalities that that thrive in these types of environments. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, I was always the mate who's out there doing stupid stuff, and that, that does translate yeah. quite well into what I do now, right? Um, a lot of people from my past have seen my content, people from my school, and they're like, I'm not surprised, you know? I'm not surprised yeah. you're doing this. I, you know, if, if anyone I knew was going to do that, it probably would have been you. So I feel like those things can it can be natural um as well. I feel I definitely feel like there's a personality element. I often meet people. I'm like, you do so well if you did this. You know, you, I, I, there's people on my team now. I'm like, oh, you've got it. You've got that that little thing, right? um So the X factor. The X factor. But I don't think anyone talks about themselves that way. I would never say I've got the X factor. My name's Will. I've got the X mm. factor, but I people it's this unrealized potential sometimes um that that some people are just built to be putting themselves out there making videos making jokes doing whatever it is right they kind of already have it um in some ways i i don't yeah other than what people have told me i I never thought of it myself that way right so sometimes it's a case of that self-awareness being handed to you as well like my boss when i started making videos he was super encouraging of it Not only because it was generating us pipeline at the company that I was working for, because believe it or not, creating sales content when you're selling to salespeople starts getting you noticed by both people who have never heard of you and people who were talking to you. And then they start liking it and stuff, right? I saw this thing with it's this whole social selling thing, which I think is a bit of a buzzword and doesn't mean much. And I think when people try it, they mostly fail it. But I realized it was actually impacting my work in good ways. Like I was making these silly videos and funny videos and advice videos. And then I'd jump on a call with a customer. And the next day, let me just sorry I'll mute my Slack notifications because that's going to get annoying because I've just been added to a group chat. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, I uh, you you um, where was it going? sorry, those Slack notifications is always killing you. I was I was I was selling to salespeople, but I was talking to someone on the first call. Often when you meet someone and you're a salesperson, you get this really cold intro. You have to kind of you're coming up against brick wall. They don't want to be sold. They don't want to be be they don't want to build a relationship with a seller, believe it or not. Most of the time, they just want to see the product. But I'd have an intro call with someone, book a demo for the you know two days time or a week later. And then the next time I spoke to them, they're like, well, I saw your video on LinkedIn. And all of a sudden there was something a little bit different there, there was like a little magic. And I was like, oh, hang on, this person likes me more than they did last time because they saw those stupid videos I put online or they saw that thing that I yeah. gave it or they sent their team a video about how to do a cold call and it gave them value. And um, the analogy I've used in the past of this is I used to work in, before I went did the whole backpacking thing like I told you earlier, uh, when I finished university, I went and did a ski season in France. I went with one of those, um, kind of, um, uh, holiday package chains. And, um, I managed the bar in the hotel and every week you'd get these new guests come in, um, because obviously each week you'd get a new set of guests. And I managed the hotel bar. I had a target on that bar as well. And, uh, what I realized was trying to meet all 80 guests, one-on-one and build relationships with them was a real challenge. However, yeah. if I did a pub quiz on the first night and cracked some jokes in there as well, made some people laugh, I could almost build a relationship with all 80 people in the room all at once. And then from the first day, they want to come into the bar and go, hey, Will, how are you doing, man? And that was exactly what kind of happened in, in sales as well. Um, so again, I didn't think of it like that at the time, but now I, I kind of look back and see, oh, it's very similar to getting up there on on stage with the with the guests at the hotel and and getting them all laughing and liking. It's much easier to do it that way than it is to talk to people one-on-one and build those relationships. Same thing happened in my sales pipeline. And by the end of the, that company, I had people clicking on the website, requesting a demo, and in the note form they'd be like, we want Will as our wrap. And that was like, oh my gosh, you know? That obviously is a massive ego booster. Um so yeah, yeah. That I don't know I don't know where exactly where I was going with that, but that's that's why why I kept doing it as well. Because when you start to see results from it, and you're having fun with it, and you're passionate with from it, yeah, um, that's really when you start to go, okay, I've got something here.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you because one of the one video I did see was when you were speaking to someone and you were like, "Oh, it's a uh, Will Aitken from Salesfeed," and he went, "Will, Will Aiken, oh, you're the LinkedIn guy, right?" And uh, like, how often does that? Or did that happen, or does it happen?
1: A cold calling session that I didn't include all of them because it was just stroking my ego by the third one. Um, but it happened three <laughs> times. I made 150 calls a day, and I think three people recognized my name. About the 15 people who picked up, um, but the, that happens actually quite when it does happen. It makes me feel very, gives me that little warm, fuzzy feeling like I'm some kind of celebrity. I won't lie.
0: Um, you sort of are, though, Well, to be honest. In, 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 in,
1: <laughs> I, I would call it a micro-influencer, anyone who's not working sales. But you, when I hear stuff like, I was in I was in Denver, Colorado, with a mate of mine, Nick Capozzi. And we were just walking down the street, and this guy was like, whoa, 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 are you that sales TikTok guy? And I'll tell you, my I was on cloud nine all day. In a city I'd never been to, someone just pulled me aside and recognized me. Like, your cold organ openers rock. I've been using your stuff. I just started in sales. It works like this, this, and this. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, you don't realize when you're doing it. And it's just, it's just numbers and really? comments and engagement. These are real people. It's crazy, and then I've had it happen here. I've been at the lake with my family here in, in in Halifax, and people be like, "Are you a lake kid? And I'm like, oh. and then my dad's like, his mates. He went to Dubai to with a couple of his mates. Some one of them went to Australia. A couple of them live in other places as well. They're like, we we see your, your your son's content all the time on LinkedIn. It's great. He's like you, but better. <laughs> and like <that's, laughs> my dad's like, I'm, I'm real proud of you will. And like my dad was always a big inspiration for me. He's a very funny kind of out, outgoing guy as well, but hearing that stuff it just does it does make me feel um it does make you realize and think more about what you're actually doing and how many people you're actually reaching in this all but uh mostly it gives me a bit of an ego boost not that i need one
0: (laughs) i was gonna say then so as this grows because you know i can certainly see you i I think if you look back in like two years time yeah you'll probably look right now as like being quite small because i i would imagine that you're going to constantly grow and who knows what, what's going to happen, right? Do you reckon you're like, like, for example, if, if you've reached, like, proper celebrity level, for whatever reason, maybe, I don't know, maybe you become a public speaker or something, you're like the next Tony Robbins, or the next whatever, uh, next hmm. Jordan Belfort, maybe, I don't know, but maybe don't go to jail. Maybe, maybe and, not, maybe um, him, but yeah. yeah. Jordan <laughs> Belfort is easy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, how do you think you'd, you'd manage that if it, if it got, ridiculous do you reckon you'd, you'd love it or do you reckon you, that would get a bit too much
1: I think there's there's a couple of challenges that I see coming before that happens and that I'm not looking forward to them um as well um I think you know that DJ Khaled meme where he's like suffering from success you know have you seen that one whereas DJ Khaled and he's like, that, that, that 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 is something I, I think about. so so yeah I, I do intend to be Big. I'm doing actually I've now started a public speaking um kind of it's starting to happen now even. I'm doing a keynote next week for fifteen hundred people for a massive sales team here in Canada. I'm applying in for that and one people pay for that kind of stuff as well, which is crazy. Um I've done a few others, but they are never been that scale. So I see it going that way and I do want to be in a few years the one of the big names that you think of when you think of sales. Um but on the way there, I do see some challenges and um, I've seen a few of them already. One, there is, even though I love what I do, I love it almost too much. So you can almost sometimes become too much over in doing what you love, you know, where other things mm. start to matter less or you fail to prioritize other things. I'm a, I'm a young guy with a family, right? I've got two kids, one's three, one's three months old. I need to make sure those things don't fall to the wayside while this happens. I need to make sure my wife feels loved. I need to make sure they have a great dad who's present and loves them and does. And mm. right? that's something I'm very aware of now because I have when especially during my time sales speed, I, I did over index on those the, the, on work. I was up until 2 a.m. editing videos sometimes. Um, like I said, I didn't expect it to be as hard as sales. In, in fact, I worked harder creating content than I ever did in sales. Despite the fact that sales is notoriously hard work because you can't really control the results as much. Um so my puppy's just doing since so I can hear it. Bailey, come in. Got a puppy because I like to do I like to make my life really hard. Other things <laughs> I see happening along the way, once you start seeing success, especially when you build in public, people are gonna not like it. And I've had conflict and I've had people call me out and I've had people um disagree with me and that's gonna happen more and more the larger you get. Um I think I need to, I need to understand how to manage that better sometimes because, um, that, 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 and, and, and not that I haven't had a lot of hate comments on, especially places like TikTok, I'm sure you've seen it, mate. You get these people who are very Mm. toxic, especially when you get them a nominate. I hate saying that word. This is why a public speaker, I've got to make sure I don't say any of the words like anonymous. Is that right? No, anonymous. Right. Um, Dyslexia, mate. Dyslexia, right? Um, so so w so you get these hate comments, and they used to get me down quite a lot, but they don't anymore, especially when they're more attacking like sales in general, but there's still times where people do get me down when they come after me. they make comments on my appearance the way I am, my personality, those things do cut deep in fact people I've had my son in some content once and so on, said so they wanted to punch him he's a three year old like, what's that about and that that kind of stuff that can really get me down, but there's more other stuff people will actually come come for you uh recently i've been kind of having this unspoken conflict with another creator and I tried to make things right and it made things worse. Um who's who's essentially trying to counsel me right now. Um and that's gonna happen more and more. And I think that's something I'm gonna have to learn to manage the hate, the comments that's that, based on
0: like the educational content you put out there, like they're saying, oh you're you're crap at sales, you know nothing about sales, or is it just like they don't like your face, basically?
1: We we were friends and that something happened and um the way I handled it um I didn't support them as well as I didn't think I could have done. Uh, mm. maybe, maybe to tell the story, is interesting. Um, these days, diversity in all aspects is super important. And we're going to go on a bit of a tangent. Here. It's a tough topic. And and everything is is so crucial and something you have to consider on every turn. And my content, I've always tried to make sure is was very inclusive. I've tried to do a good job of lifting other people up who, who weren't born with the fucking full house of being a white straight bloke who went to private school, right? Like I had a very, I'm a not like one boy. of those people to sit there on stage and go. I suffered. I, I, I was living on the streets and I, I built myself. No, I was very lucky. I've always had comfort and and, and been helped a lot by the people who who, who are around me. Um, but sometimes people make these lists online um, of like people you should follow. And sometimes those lists are full of white dudes and no one else. Uh, especially in sales, right? Because sales is mm. and uh, someone tagged me one of those lists. I said, Hey, thanks for the tag. I don't really look at them anymore because most people who tag me in those lists of 10 people to follow are just looking for to ride on my brand a little bit. And it happens once a week. And I'm just like, Oh, thanks for tagging me. Anyway, they, they come to back and said, but do you add anyone? And I clicked on the list. and I was like, Oh, this is really not a very diverse or inclusive list. So I commented and said, Hey, I would add these people. I didn't say your list is is not very diverse. I just said, I've these people. But someone else got tagged in that list. Someone who's quite a big DEI advocate. And they saw my comment saying, thank you. And they're like, why didn't you read the list before you said thank you? And I said, I, I just get tagged in too many of these. And they're like, hire a PA. I'm like, I'm not that successful yet. I can't afford a PA. Uh, and and like, I'm gonna hire a PA and like check every list I get tagged in. But those are things I need to become more aware of, right? And ultimately, mm. what I did was tag people who I believe were better to follow. And I sent the person who made the list a, D- a DM saying, hey, just so you know, this isn't really a good look. Some people might be offended. I'd recommend just reaching out to people, make sure that they're happy to be on the list. Make sure it's reordered because they added more people to the list who weren't white straight dudes, and they like, put them at the bottom. And I was like, no, 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 you got to make you got to like mix them up now. You can't just have because it was it was numbered as well. So it was like one, two, three, so it looked like they were ranking everyone. So I said, look, this is how that can come right. across, how that can make people feel. And I DM them, but this other person wanted me to make a public post calling them out, and I didn't want to do that uh, because I'm a I'm a I'm a big believer in, in, in making people better. And I could see myself in that person who made that list before I took the time to ask these questions and and educate myself. And I know, and I reached out to the guy and I told him what he'd done wrong. And I said, this is what you should do and change it. And I gave him some recommendations, but I didn't want to write a post about him and say, this person doesn't deserve a voice. Uh, I just wanted to be better because it wasn't malicious. If you know what I mean, they were just being stupid and thoughtless, but the person who asked me to do a for them has now decided that my unwillingness to do so means that I don't support other folks so we've been kind of and then we we kind of had something on the calendar to amend it but in the end it didn't happen um and ultimately i should have reached out after the fact and said hey sorry i don't want you to feel unsupported it's just this is my approach of how i want to cope, deal with those things mm. You, i believe in supporting the things you believe in but the way I, I prefer to do things is this way but i didn't do that and therefore it left a lot of things unsaid and then they've kind of obviously got more and more they've let it sit and faster and now they now they don't want to see me be successful and that will happen again. Um, hopefully not for the same reasons because I tried to learn from that and how I could have done better. But I know that that is going to be something that is going to increase the larger this gets, the larger, I, more present I become, the more I say online.
0: Yeah. It's the nature of the internet, right? As well. Like people will, people always start digging into people's personal lives. They'll look at something you you did eight years ago on Facebook when you were like 12 or something. Yeah. Like it's just in the nature of the beast and it's also, like, and, have you had, um, like, friends from back home and stuff, like, kick off or whatever, or maybe, like, they, because, they, you know, just people generally, not even, like, when you become, like, a social media star or whatever, but people generally, like, get jealous and then, you know, you, who you think were your friends are not your friends, that sort of thing. Yeah.
1: I've had people write, you know, don't, not not particularly, most people who have come from my past have been very supportive and be like, hey, man, you've done a really good job, see you everywhere these days. I I've, I haven't I haven't had that much of a problematic past, but there's been growth in there, right? When we were twelve years old and on YouTube, people used to say horrible stuff because um, mm. they didn't know any better and they were stupid and young and didn't ask the questions and speak to people and realize what they were doing. Um, like the YouTube comments back in the day, remember everyone used to call each other. Remember the comments? Uh, I don't. Oh, right. just Yeah, feel like horrible. You, they, they, you calling someone, you call your buddy gay as like a an offense, uh, like a, a way to like make fun of them, right? And you learn. You have to get better. But that's why I figure it's, it's, a, it's a process, not an overnight thing. You're not born good. You're not born knowing these mm. things. So I think it's a, a thing that people should be aware of and probably seek out their own education on um, so that they don't find themselves doing those things. But yeah, I think I, don't, I haven't had anyone from my past. I've had people from previous sales teams that I've been on be like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He wasn't even good at sales when I worked with him again, it's growth. Like, I didn't get good sales until I started working at software companies because I didn't get any good training until I worked at software companies. So I've had people on sales yeah. teams that you used to work and be like, what well, does it know he's talking about? Um, when I worked with him, he wasn't even the top performer. Yeah, I got good. I got better. I spoke to the right people. I got good training. I I educated myself. And I think that's the same same idea there as well.
0: I think sales is a bit of a weird one when it comes to that sort of stuff because – there isn't like, it's not like being an athlete, you know, you, you can't be like the quick, it's not like ranking the, the quickest sprinters in the world. It's not black yeah. and white. And I always say like even recruitment, it's, I don't even judge someone's ability as a recruiter on their billings because there's so many different, like context is so key. And there's so many different yeah. variables within sales. Um, it could be to do the environment, you know, the market you work in. It's not as, Black and white as, oh, you you made more money than me. You made more revenue than me. Therefore, you're better at sales, whatever that means.
1: Yeah.
0: And I do find that in sales, it doesn't matter how good you are. You could you could have written a book. You could be a multi-million pound trainer. People will always come at you and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Or, Will, and that email introduction you shared was rubbish.
1: Yeah. And it's subjective as well. Cause, and, and the way I think about that as well is like, because I get that, right? People would tell me I'm wrong. I'm like, mm. the, the thing is, sales is is, is is so complex as a topic because not the way that if you and I did everything the same, we did the exact same techniques, asked the exact same questions of our customers, we'd still have different results because it's such a human yeah. thing. And there's more than one way to be good at sales. There's people who are totally introverted and have a totally different style, and there's people who come in really out the great, aggressive, and challenger style. Uh, no, I wouldn't lump in challenger with aggressive, let's say, but they might be really good at challenging and being very frank with their customers. Yeah. Um, and they both might be really good performers, but there's there's more than one road to success. So that's how I look at it. And when people comment I'm wrong, I'm like, yeah, look, this is just what's worked for me. All right. And I, it may not even work for you. Um, but, you know, assume some nuance in what I'm saying here. That's what I'll ask. Um, but yeah, you do get that. And um and people are always going to disagree with you. Even you could, you could say water's wet and someone online would say you're wrong. It's dry. Yeah. That's how it's going to be. And, uh, yeah. so I try not to let any of that stuff get to me too much because, and I it did for a while. I used to argue with people. I used to chirp to them a little bit chirps say Canada basically means, uh, make fun of, um, <laughs> uh, but then I realized there's actually some conversations you can have. And some people who used to be my biggest haters are actually now my biggest friends. Right. And sometimes if you if you give the person who's coming at you grace, they return they responding yeah. kind
0: as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's 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 so interesting. That's why sales fascinates me because I always say like you can speak to two genuine experts in sales yeah. and they will give you different answers and they will disagree with you. Like, you know, so many salespeople, uh many sales books I've read over the years have always said, you know, for example, you want to get your customer saying yes as soon as possible, as quick as possible and then i read yeah. Never Split the difference of chris Ross. Uh, and i know obviously you're a, you're a fan of this i think you're the one who actually recommended it to me on tiktok um like yeah, we... but he uh, he 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 says lead with no you know and then it's just like okay cool which one is it yes or no and it it, it, it could be both it could be yeah. both like there isn't and the, there isn't in, one it, way to sell.
1: yeah and it depends on the environment as well right like what are you selling who are you selling to? How big is the deal size? Like there's so many nuances that you can't factor into what you say as well. But again, I just think about my first time working in recruitment. There was like a, it was like one of those graduate programs where you hire someone with no experience and try and hire AR based on aptitude rather than aptitude. And I stuck two people who both got let go very quickly because they, the person just didn't see the potential in them, the, the, the managing director of the agency. One of those two people became the highest biller at right? just an agency, a competitive agency and it can totally be based on the environment based on who you're recruiting he's still there it's been there for five years you know he's good when you recruit it last that long right um yeah. and it was entirely based on on the environment of who was mentoring him who was coaching him how much support did he get what what whereabouts in the office was he sat by a window or by a dark wall right so like these things they all take an impact on things there's so much nuance and um yeah it really ultimately i could answer every question in sales with it depends but Ultimately, I have to have a perspective or if I want to be out there. And my perspective is what's worked well for me. So that's that.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, um, I always relate back to a job I had because I was terrible at sales. And then I got... It was actually when I got into recruitment that I got better at sales, weirdly, even though it's not as business developing, yeah. say, like a field sales role. Because I was selling... <laughs> um, Yeah, I I was selling bins. Actually, it was my first. I was so excited about the job. It's so funny now, but I was selling. um, I was working for a company. I probably shouldn't say the name, just in case. But they are one of like the leading waste management companies in the southeast. Um, You've been to Fort Park, the theme park? In yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. of course. Yeah, so they do
0: all the waste management for them, Um, and uh, so they're quite a big name. And I joined, and I was there for eight months. And about halfway through, I decided I actually wanted to go backpacking Southeast Asia. So I was sort of like checked out um, about halfway through anyway. But I got uh, so basically the situation was we we had like a depot in Reading, and it was just me and this other guy, right, the senior guy. And I honestly, I had, I don't know how I got the job, yeah. um, let alone like why they, you know, trusted me or just wanted a person, or whatever. Like I really, I, I could, I interviewed well, but. I think they sort of hired me because they were like, oh, he's got potential sort of thing. He's keen to learn. He reads yeah. a lot of sales books. Um, but I didn't even know how to write a to-do list. Um, I got in trouble one day because I, I had a meeting, a training meeting in London with the whole team. And I was the only one that didn't turn up because I didn't put it in my Outlook calendar because I didn't know how to mm. use Outlook. It sounds yeah. stupid now. But I just, didn't, I just didn't. I was so young and naive. And I had a sticky note on my wall. And it said like meeting 1st of January. And I, and I was like, oh, I'll just look at it every day and yeah. then remember
1: um, yeah.
0: stuff like that. But the um, the mentor guy actually quit. He, he was, he'd already had it in his notes when they hired me. And I had no mentor for seven months. And like, yeah. I think if I had a mentor, someone just to show me how to do the basic stuff and how to do the job, I probably would have done well. But because of the environment... I crashed and burned. I was terrible. I don't know how I lasted eight months. So it's so, there's so many different variables. And
1: like you said, some people could leave and just excel. And if you ask someone at that company now, oh, what do you think of David Rose? They'd be like, oh, he was disorganized, didn't show up to meetings and wasn't very good. Yeah. But since then you've got better, right? Things have changed. You've been a recruiter, you've done your own VD, you've started your own company. Um, So I think, I think that's, there's growth in all of this. There's lessons to be learned in, in your failures as well. Very off the social media topic now, but I think it all comes true when you start now online. It'll, 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 it'll becomes something you think about.
0: Yeah, Um look, mate. I just want to end the episode. Nothing to do with content or anything. You're obviously a big Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. So, what's your favourite Star Wars movie?
1: Oh, this is the second time I've been asked this on a podcast, and last time the guy didn't even know the movie. Wrote one. Uh, I actually, I, I think it's that perfect mix of the old nostalgia and truth to the source yeah. uh, material, if we could want to call it that. But it also links into the story of it, and is a move. It stands well on its own as well.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I love yeah, Rogue One. I love. I think it was like. I think we. It was such like a surprise.
1: Sorry. I think my dad called me there in my calf. But yeah, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I think it's good. I think that one, yeah. I wasn't expecting much. I went in and it was going away and I watched it. You know, five... <laughs> He's flying to Canada on Sunday, so he's probably trying to see if I can pick him up from the airport. Um,
0: yeah, no, I, it's uh, Rogue One's actually one of my favorites as well. Um, I was so surprised at how good it was. Uh,
1: I actually preferred Rogue favorite? One to all three of the newer ones. Oh, the newer ones weren't very good at all. The first one got me excited, but then they dropped the ball. The next two, I just it was such a waste of potential. Um, but yeah, mate, Rogue One, I feel, was the best one, especially in recent years. I'm a big fan of the Mandalorian series as well. I think they're doing a really good job of that. I, I watched that a couple of times, and um, I just think that that that's a really good story on its own as well. I think it can stand on its own. I find but it's still true to that Star Wars kind of narrative that's where I like it that's what I'm all about
0: yeah it's um, no Pedro Pascal is an amazing man we... I, I love that and oh, I, he's so good. I loved what they're doing everyone there.
1: loves him right now you want me to turn on the lights yeah he's too? like the um... Give me a show go on yeah yeah go on <laughs> alright I, I think a few of these are out of
0: batteries right
1: now we've got we my bad boy Anakin Skywalker back here <laughs> a bit loud this is Yoda. Uh, We've got Darth Vader. Um. And what did you get are- yeah. A couple of those I don't. They're so cool. The- Where did uh, you get them? Uh, those are all. Those are all like uh, made by Hasbro, but I have one which is out of battery. Was I'd show you uh, it's uh, called a uh, uh, Neopixel. And it's like 10 times brighter than all those. It changes color. Um, But it's not charged right now, so I couldn't even show you that. But, yeah, those are all like uh, about £150 each. So they're actually – I just wanted to collect something. I like Star Wars. I especially like the lightsabers in Star Wars. And uh, once I bought one, I got hooked. And then I started doing well at sales and didn't know what to do with all the money, so I started buying these.
0: Would you buy – do you reckon they'll ever make a real one? I'm pretty sure I saw something online that someone did make something that (laughs) – to gas one.
1: Cuts. I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the one I've got over there is probably as close to real as you can get without cutting through stuff. Um, yeah, but it yeah, has that battery, as I can't show you. Um, yeah, man, I'll probably end up getting the most expensive lightsaber the money can buy, which is that one right now. But they, they, I saw someone made like a plasma cutting jet and actually cuts through metal, but it doesn't. it's on like a YouTube channel. You should check it out. It's cool. Cool. At Disney now, they have like a show where the uh, the lightsaber actually appears from nothing. But it's made right. of paper, so it's really fragile. You can't really it on anything or anything like that. But yeah, I will. Uh, I will. My new, my new passion is is actually kind of a bit nerdy, but um, Star Wars Lego. Um, okay. I've just been. It's a. It, I found it's a very therapeutic thing to do. That's not making content, and my wife and I can do it together. And it's just been a real nice thing to be able to sit down and drink a glass of wine with her and make a Tie Fighter or something like that. So I'm going to probably start stacking these shelves with Lego projects soon.
0: Yeah, it's weird. The older I get, the more I sort of... When you're younger, when my granddad was like, oh, let's build something with Lego or do a puzzle or something. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. so boring. Let me play my PlayStation or my Game Boy. But the older I get, when you're just just being in the moment and getting into that flow yeah. state is so important for your like your mental health and your anxiety, right?
1: Especially when you can share that experience with someone else in your life. It's been a, a nice... Yeah, just clicking cubes together... Building something from nothing again truly really satisfying. You can build like a. I built this one here. No, just one night, just drinking a glass of wine, and then uh, it's a Jedi Starfighter. Uh, little Obi Wan in there. He's got a lightsaber underneath in that you can hold. But this, you know, like it was two hours of just focused on one thing, really satisfying. And uh, me and my wife had a good chat during it as well. We spent some time together. So yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of finding little things like that that, that kind of scratch my itch. That's awesome,
0: bro. Well, look, thanks so much for coming on, Will. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, definitely come back on. We should just do a Star Wars-focused one. Where we can just talk about all the movies. Oh, mate, sort
1: of one, I'll get all the lightsabers charged up. We'll go through everything I own. I've got helmets, got all kinds of stuff over here. But um, always a pleasure, mate. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Cheers for that.